0: Bibles with me to well, get on my get all my notes out here um, Turn your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians we're going to be in chapter 12 um, for most of our time together this morning as we as we continue this study in our uh, values uh, as we've been doing I want to recap recap all of them hopefully by the end of all six you know we'll just like all be able to spit these out and then we'll put them up on posters so it'll be real easy to remember. You'll probably be able to remember them easiest out like in the foyer or wherever we hang them. Um, Our values are, first, we put Jesus first. We center everything on His love and grace because He alone has set us free. Uh, We trust the Bible. We depend on Scripture as our primary guide for life because God leads us most directly through His Word. Third, we journey together. Spiritual growth happens best in community. God brings us into His family so that no one has to face anything alone. We collaborate rather than compete. Jesus has one body, and we're all on His team. We work together with others who are seeking His kingdom first. We hold God's gifts with open hands. God gives each of us resources, experiences, and abilities, so we share them generously with others. And we hold fast to the mission while adapting our methods. The truth of the gospel never changes, and we trust the Holy Spirit to help us creatively reach our community. Now this morning we're looking at the at the fourth one that we collaborate rather than compete. This one took us a while to nail down how to say it um, uh, At first we had said it a different way, which was a lot snarkier and uh, and I'm going to be honest it was uh, it was mostly my authorship on the previous more snarky one if you can believe that um, I'm going to tell you what that one was not because I still think it should be but because i it, it does capture part of what we're We're trying to say, uh, at first we we had this stated as we reject the idea of competing ministries. Um, obviously we changed that for a couple of reasons. Um, one, it's a negative wording. And second, um, it's mostly true. Um, certainly there are ministries, uh, that we would, uh, strongly disagree with. (laughs) um, not just their approach, but their understanding of, of what the saving gospel is. So upon that, I said, okay, maybe we don't completely reject the idea of competing ministries. So anyway, um, but 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 this is the value, you know, the first one that we put Jesus first. That's really a value about gospel centrality, that the gospel is at the center of everything we do. Um, we trust the Bible. A second value um, is really about um, the the authority and preeminence of Scripture and the the sufficiency of Scripture. That scripture is is all we need. If all we had was scripture, we would have enough. Um that, that is one truth that I love the way hymn writers have captured it throughout the ages. Um the sufficiency of scripture. One of my favorite hymns is Um How Firm a Foundation. And it I mean, there's first of all, there was tons more doctrine in hymns during the time when people couldn't read. Because you could easily, re- you could easily, I almost said rememberize. Well, whatever. You could very easily remember as a song um, it, because it's put to music and it's easy to, it's easy to memorize stuff that's put to music. And so, um, and so hymn writers would pack a lot of doctrine. I mean, think about this one. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Why? There's more doctrine in that first verse of that hymn than in a lot of, a lot of songs that we sing. But, but, but it, what it captures is the sufficiency of Scripture. So then, anyway, we're two in. Uh, the third one, that we journey together. I mean, th- this captures the, the, the need to gather as a body. And not just, not just on Sunday mornings, but to actually be involved in each other's lives. That's super important. Um, <clears throat> this one, that we collaborate rather than compete. This is the value that is about the kingdom. This is what, what I like to call a kingdom mindset. Um, not all churches have what I would call a kingdom mindset. Um, there's, there's kind of, I don't, I do want to say old school because that pigeonholes a lot of really good old churches into a pigeonhole they don't belong in. Um, but I, I think maybe there was a time in American church history where this was more prevalent, but we still see it sometimes. And that's this idea that, that like, this is the church. We've got the corner of the market on good teaching and doctrine um, that we're right and everyone else should apologize. Um, you know, we're the only ones that have, you know, you know if, you, if you really went to a good church in town, you'd be going to our church. You know, it's, it's that mentality that like, you know, if, if, if the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Lakeland, it would actually be written to us. You see what I mean? It's like that—that that mentality is not a kingdom mentality. That's a mindset that says, you know, us for and no more. We've got our little our little church club, whatever that gathers together, and, and that's, you know, we're we you know we're slogging it out, you know, alone in this city, when actually. There's a lot of churches in like lake. I don't know about you, but I, drive, I mean, maybe not you, because you live pretty close. But the rest of us, like, I mean, you live close and you drive by like three churches to get here. And you're around the corner. I, mean, I don't even know how many churches I drive by on the way here. Um, and, and a lot of them are good churches. And so any, anyway, the, the kingdom mindset is, is different. I, and we're going to look at three things. Gary, you'll appreciate this. I actually put together three points. They're broad, so I'm just going to give them to you right up front, and then we'll close in prayer. I'm just kidding. Um, we collaborate with each other, with other churches and organizations, for the sake of the kingdom and the gospel. Okay, those are the three three points we're going to hit this morning. Um, and this first one, that we collaborate with each other... Is it really this one builds out of the last one that we journey together. Um, that this value, you know, that value is really about community and about needing one another. You know, not only do I need others, but others need me. It's important that we're involved, um, not just on Sundays, but like we're involved in the church, not just this building, but like the people of the church. And so this idea that we collaborate with one another. We're going to look at First Corinthians chapter twelve, and um, we're going to read a lot of it. So bear with me. Uh, we're going to start in verse four. <coughs> To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, There's a lot to unpack in that passage. Um, it seems at first to be a sermon or a, a teaching on gifts, and it only sort of is. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to get into all, all the gift discussion uh, th- this this morning, except to say that the Holy Spirit gifts each. I, I think I mentioned this last week, and, and I, I think this is true to at least some extent. Um, the, the Holy Spirit gifts. Each body of, of Christ, each gathered local assembly of believers, is uniquely gifted with all the spiritual gifts that it needs. Whether there are 20 people, or 120 people, or whatever, a lot of people. You know, it, it, like, no matter what the size is, the Holy Spirit is uniquely gifting each gathered body of believers with all of the spiritual gifts it needs to function as a healthy, um, a healthy body. Um, perhaps you, if you've ever played the hypothetical sort of thing, maybe some of you haven't participated in this since middle school. Uh, boy, where's you going with this? Um, <clears throat> you know, if you had to have one part of your body chopped off, which one would you pick? I'm going somewhere with this. If you had to pick one of your fingers or toes or whatever, which one would you pick? My thumb. Oh boy, that's that would be the worst one. That's the most useful one. Uh, most of us would probably, if we, if we were in hopefully hope we are never in this situation, but like if you were in this situation, you would pick your little pinky toe because who really cares? Yeah, I mean, like you don't even see it most of the time. When was the last time you used that one, right? It, it, my point is, you know, what he says here, What he says here is that, um, on the contrary, in verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Did you know that your little pinky toes, your little pinky toe, plays more, has more to do with your balance than you can imagine? Like people that have, you know, had frostbite real bad and lost, had to lose digits or something, have said even just that one, you can't believe the impact that had. On their ability to balance and walk. Well, obviously, when it's, it's pretty fresh, it's going to be hard to walk on anyway. But, but a- anyway, you, you get the point. My my point in that is that it, you know to emphasize what he's saying here in verse 22. Likewise, um, <clears throat> this is a lot of what he's saying here. Some of us may feel like what we bring to the table as an individual member of this gathered body of believers. Maybe isn't that much. Maybe we we haven't been maybe we ha, you know haven't been a, a Christian for all that long, and so we don't really feel like I mean I don't, I don't like I'm kind of new at this anyway, and so like I don't really know. Or maybe we feel like I, I mean I've been saved for a long time, but I never really I don't know, never really grew that much, and so I, I don't know what what I could possibly contribute to the um, to the church. What Paul is saying here is it doesn't matter what stage of life you're at what stage of spiritual maturity you're at, if you are part of the gathered assembly of believers, you are indispensable. It's a, so important for us to, to, to grasp that. And that's, as, as we get to the, this idea that we collaborate with one another, the point being, and this is really piggybacking on what we talked about last week, but like the point being we need each other. I get this more than most of you probably because I get up here and like, you know, all week long, you know, I mean, it's literally my job to like plan out our worship services and some, some Sundays it just falls where like I'm the one up here doing, uh, most of it and sometimes that's just because how's the, how the, how the cards are dealt and sometimes it's because, uh, you know, I didn't organize things early enough in the week to even feel right asking anyone else to do stuff or, you know, whatever. I mean, but, but my point is like when, you know, more often than most people in the church, I, you know, I end up doing a lot of things, and sometimes that's my own fault. That's the point I'm making. I'm not blaming anyone for that. Um, but I get this, and I, and I, I think everybody can get this to some degree that one person can't. Because I mean, here's the thing: even if I get up here and and do the do the old school thing where I lead all the music and and I I do the teaching and I read the liturgy and I, you know, it's just like a one man show. Um, boy, there's a, there's a pretty low ceiling to where this ministry is going to go. And I'm not just talking about attendance. I'm talking about depth and leadership development. And, uh, fill, fill in the blank. There's so, so, many, so many areas that would suffer if I try to just be the guy. Boy, I picked a really bad Sunday to make this point since I'm the one up here doing everything. <laughs> I don't know, maybe that actually illustrates the point really well. Um, but the body needs all of its members. Just like our physical, this is, a, this is a great example that Paul uses here because we each um, are uniquely gifted with a physical body, and um, and we fully recognize that we need every piece of it to function uh, in a healthy way. And so we collaborate with one another as we, as we as we work together. First of all, it's important to have our attitudes in check that we don't look that we don't think too highly of ourselves. You know, because you are, you know, look at the foot and say, well, because you're not a hand, I have no need of you. Um, well, that's that's not accurate at all. It's really important that we don't look at um, other people in the church and feel like we uh, have more, that we bring more to the table than they do, because the Bible says that's not true. It's important that we don't look at ourselves and think no one else needs me, because that's also not true. The gathered assembly of believers needs all of its members to to contribute and to to um, participate in every in every aspect of what we do. It's so important. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to I wanted to read a, a part of. I'm not going to read the whole thing, although I have done that before, um, and that's also part of why I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, <laughs> Um, this was something that I stumbled across in college. Um, I promise the highlighted part's all I'm going to read. Um, this was something I stumbled across in college. It's not long. Um, I would encourage um, everyone to read it because I feel like it, it really drives home. It really sits on and, and contemplates this truth really well. That each, bo- each member of the body of Christ is equally a member of the same body. Uh, this is called Meditation 17. It was written by um, a guy named John Dunn back in the 1500s, I think. Anyway, a long time ago. <clears throat> and um, you have, I guarantee, heard two phrases from this meditation. Anybody familiar with it when I say Meditation 17? John Dunn? No. But you will be familiar with this. No man is an island. Um, this, is where that, this is where that phrase comes from. No man is an island. Um, so let me read a couple of things he says here. He says, The church is Catholic, and by that he means universal. Not like Catholicism, but the, the church is universal, and so are all her actions. All that she does belongs to all. When she baptizes someone... Now, he says when she baptizes a child, because they, they did that back in Anglican times. Um, when she baptizes someone, that action concerns me. For that person is thereby connected to that head, which is my head, too. And so, that's why we make a big deal, like when we baptize Susie and, and Jimmy. Uh, you know, we talk about, like, this is, this is both a personal announcement. Hey, I'm one of you. And also a corporate announcement. We as the church are saying, this these people are part of us when the church baptizes someone that person is thereby connected to that head which is my head too that being Christ and engrafted into that body whereof I am a member and when she buries someone that action concerns me in the same kind of a way and he, this, was, this was written during um, I believe this was during the might have been the black Death it was during one of the plagues going around um, going around England. And a lot of people were dying. And so he was, he's contemplating, I hear the bell tolling in the tower, in the church tower, that, that marks that someone in our parish, whatever, someone, you know, because back then there was one church in the town and um, towns were a lot smaller and everybody went to that church. And so someone in the town died. That means somebody in the church died. And so he, he hears the bell toll. This, that's the other phrase, for whom the bell tolls. Um, he hears the bell toll in the tower and he's contemplating as he's reading his, his, Bible and he's, and he's thinking on what that means for him because it's easy to hear that and think, well, there goes another one. But in reality, then he gets thinking, well, well, what if it's somebody I know? And that was the, that was the question. So everyone would go out for, you know, who is the bell tolling for who died? You know, Everybody wants to know, is that somebody I know and care about? I mean, you probably know him, but do I care about him? Um, and, and his, his whole thing was, you know what? It, the, the thing that he, that he ends with here, he says, No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. Any man's death diminishes me, because I am involved in mankind, and therefore never sin to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. The idea that, that, you know, as as he's hearing the bell tolling, wondering who it is, thinking about going and asking, he's realizing, wait a minute, we're all members of the same body. This is somebody who's part of my church. We're members of the same body. I am diminished and reduced by that person's passing. I am affected. In a way, that bell is tolling for me. And it it causes a reflection. Again, I strongly encourage... Um, looking this one up and reading it, but it, it 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 has a sanctifying effect when we contemplate our connectedness. And so, as we talk about we collaborate rather than compete. Uh, obviously, uh, this first point that we collaborate with one another um, because we need one another. I, I'm just trying to drive this point home that we are we are connected in a way that is um, not just important. It's Unavoidable, <laughs> even if you wanted to. It's, um, yeah, I'm not really sure how to say it, but it, 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 it's, anyway, I said it. We're moving on. All right. <clears throat> uh, we collaborate with each other. Uh, we also collaborate with other churches, organizations, etc. We, we collaborate with others. The way we say it in here is that we, um, work together with others who are seeking his kingdom first. We say it that way because, you know, for instance, we're not going to uh, collaborate really probably with uh, some prosperity gospel um, ministry or preacher or, you know, some, you know, essentially somebody that's building their own brand. Because what are they seeking first? God's kingdom? Mm. That's not how I read it. Uh, if you want to turn with me, I'm going to go to um, Mark chapter 9. Um, Jesus is talking here. And uh his disciples are um his disciples were, were were pretty uh they would get offended sometimes if you know because they were like, Hey, this is Jesus, we're following we're following the teacher. Everybody else ought to just sit down. And so they tell on somebody John says to Jesus in verse thirty eight, Teacher we saw someone casting out demons in your name. we tried to stop him, because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For one, the one who is not against us is for us. Truly, I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Um, I, I don't need to spend a lot of time on this one, but as we, as we contemplate what it means to collaborate with other organizations, let's first just look at who we are as a church. As a neighborhood church, who are we? We are one church connected at the hip with two other church. Well, so far, two other churches. That's going to happen. We're going to play another church. Um, you know, we're, we are inextricably connected with with Sebring and Ocala. These, you know, two other churches that were instrumental in uh, in, in even getting us to where we are and where we're going. Um, we we are we're totally connected with them. Uh, that's why you see Pastor Matt here once a month. Um, you know, years ago, the church in Sebring looked around at our fellowship and said, well, "Our fellowship is declining. Churches are closing." We seem to be doing okay. Let's let's just stop letting churches in our fellowship close. At least here in Florida, if we can do something about it, let's let's just do what we can. And so they identified five churches that were in some stage of decline and reached out. And four of them said yes, please, we would love your help. And the fifth one closed. Uh, you do the math. But the. The idea of collaboration was there. The idea that the, the kingdom is bigger than these four walls. If a church across the state of Florida, you know, over, all the way over on the coast of Florida, closes, we are reduced. Not just because they were part of our fellowship, but because the kingdom lost part of its footprint. And so, um, and so they did what they could. First, they just sent their best people, and then they got to Lakeland, and they like, I don't know what to do. Um, but anyway. Mostly kidding there, but um, but this idea of collaboration. So first, we we like we are we are connected with two other churches that way. Another way we are connected, um, the, the church I grew up in, Delaware Bible Church, it, you know, supports what we're doing here financially. Um, that, that's there's another example of churches coming alongside churches and collaborating. You know, the people people in Central Ohio are helping reach people in Lakeland, Florida, in that way. They're participating. They're collaborating with us in that, and that is a that is an awesome thing. Um, We we see other places in the New Testament. We're not going to bother to turn there, but we we see other examples multiple times where the Apostle Paul, uh, the the churches in uh, in Macedonia were were struggling, and so the 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 church in Jerusalem and around that area in Israel had extra had extra. They had extra funds, extra people, and so they sent they sent people. With with financial gifts and, and things like that and they, they, they sent help, tangible help for those churches. And then at another time it was the other way around, and the church in Jerusalem was was under a lot of persecution. So the churches in other parts of the world that Paul had started, they took up offerings and, and, and worked together collectively to help the church in Jerusalem. We see that in Scripture. I, I just say that to say that like we didn't make this we didn't make this up. We we see this they understood that they were both a local body and a global body, that the body of Christ is represented, yes, in in this gathering here, but it is also represented on a global scale, and the church is a lot bigger than what I can see. We, we think of our our fellowship, the Karis fellowship, you know churches all over the country and and all over the world, really. There are actually more Caris fellowship churches in other parts of the world than there are uh, even here in the states and praise God um for how his his gospel is moving in other parts of the world like Africa um but we're part of a broader fellowship of churches connected with one another. Um right here in Lakeland there's a network of churches called Renew Polk. I mean we're not they haven't officially let us into the club yet, but you know maybe they will. Um but there's a there's a there's a group of churches that are passionate about reaching our community reaching our community for the gospel um, through church planting. And um, anyway, they believe the same thing about the gospel as we do, so we can work together with them. We collaborate with each other. We collaborate um, with other churches and organizations. And this, this last one is really important. We collaborate for the sake of the kingdom and the gospel. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, if, you, if you'd like to turn there. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, my Bible almost opens to Philippians by itself. These are the dirtiest pages in my Bible from, I don't know, Philippians, Ephesians, like these, those books get a lot of mileage. Um, there's a lot of practical teaching in there. Philippians chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 12, Paul writes to the church at Philippi, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. This is, that's a powerful statement that Paul makes. Paul is not free to go around and plant churches. He's under house arrest at this point. Um, Philippians is one of the prison epistles that he writes while he can't go and do the things that he's been going and doing. And he's saying, look, I just want you guys to be encouraged. First of all, y'all have collaborated with me as I've gone and planted other churches. That's awesome. Uh, second, the work is still going on. In fact, you know, even though I can't be the one going and doing it, this has actually kind of empowered other members of the body to step up and use their gifts and, and like they're even more bold and that's awesome. And third, other people are preaching Christ and some people think it's a contest and that they like, they're trying to like beat Paul's ministry, you know, by being the better ministry and Paul's like, I don't, uh, it's not a contest and I don't really care. You know, I mean, people. um, If you read through the epistles, you'll hear about Apollos sometimes, and it said that you know he he was a gifted a gifted speaker. It's likely he was a better uh, a better orator, better better at public speaking, even than Paul was. Um, People really a guy could draw a crowd, Um, and his teaching was good. Paul spoke highly of him. And, and, and anyway, we see this too in Scripture that that the motivation behind the collaborating, the motivation behind working together, the motivation behind not becoming this insulated, insular community where it's just us and we just kind of put our shoulder to the wheel and ignore what everybody else is doing and we'll just be faithful. It sounds real spiritual when you say that. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Just be faithful and do Okay. That ignores the broader body of Christ. And, and we see this kingdom mentality, this kingdom mindset in, in Paul that he is, he's proud that believers are stepping up and growing the kingdom. Because, and, and here's, here's what that can look like in our context. And I think this is, I wasn't here, but I think this, this probably describes, at least in part, the arc of the church that's been here for a long time. That it started as a Bible study, and then they gathered up some other Christians, and then they gathered up some more Christians, and some people may have come to Christ. I'm not, I'm not saying it never happened, but, but by and large, um, that, you know, we, we we hoovered up some Christians that wanted to get together, and we got together, and we've got a church. That, I'm not saying that's a terrible thing, but what didn't happen, what doesn't happen when we do that, is the kingdom doesn't grow. You, you see what I'm saying? If we just gather up. Other people from other churches, hey, we got a better church over here. Hey, we, we've got better coffee over here. Hey, we've got, you know, fill in the blank, whatever the thing is. The kingdom isn't growing. We're just shuffling Christians around. And, and there's, there's minimal benefit to that. We, we, want to, we want to grow the kingdom of God. We want the gospel to reach more people. That's the mentality that Paul had. You realize that the book of Colossians was written to a church that Paul didn't start. Paul had never been there. When, when he, re- It's clear when you read that that scripture, he hadn't been there. It was likely you know, people from the church at Ephesus or tr- people from the church that uh, uh, might have even been Laodicea at that point, but like one of the other churches there in that area sent some people, somebody went and preached the gospel, some people got saved, and they planted the church in Colossae. And Paul wrote that letter to... You know, make sure he went, he'd never been there, and so he wanted to make sure that they, they got the same doctrine in a letter from him that the other churches got. But how cool is that? Paul goes around on these, these, these missionary journeys, planting churches all over, and Colossae is this awesome fruit where he made disciples that made disciples, as we sometimes say it. Um, that that the, the churches that he planted planted a church. That's cool. That's the kingdom growing. And, and, and it's important that we never lose, we never lose that mindset. Here's, here's another place where that can um, show up in our context. We don't just work with other churches or organizations when it benefits us, when there's something in it for us. We work with other people that are seeking God's kingdom first because the kingdom benefits when we work together with the broader body of Christ. And so it's important for us. I, I, want, I want us to constantly be reminded, and this was you know, this was something that we were, were passionate enough about, and we see it in Scripture enough, that we felt like this needs to be something that defines who we are. That we constantly have the mindset that the church is bigger than these four walls. Um, you probably hear me say that a lot, and that's kind of on purpose, but um, that the church is bigger Than than what you see when you look around this room, I'm thankful because I mean I love each each and every one of you, but there's not that many of us right now, and that's you know obviously we haven't haven't launched yet, so don't get discouraged. But the church is bigger, and we can participate in the larger, broader church. Whether there's something in it for us or not, there's something in it for the kingdom, so let's be about that. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that it doesn't all rest on our shoulders. Your kingdom is is bigger than anything we could ever do here. Your ability to reach the lost is much bigger than our capacity to preach the gospel. God, I thank you for the churches in this community. I thank you for the churches in other, in other places, across our fellowship and um, all over, churches that support us, churches that are seeking your kingdom first. God, I pray that you would help us to um, identify members of the body of Christ whether they come here to our gathering or not, and recognize that we are all one family. God, we recognize that a spirit of competition between churches misidentifies the teams. We're not on separate teams. We're on the same team. And God, there is another team. There is an enemy that is working against us. God help us to not work against one another, but to work together against the enemy. God help us to reach lost people in our lives. Help us to help us to have the words when, they're, when words are needed to make the truth of your gospel known. God, we love you. Thank you for your church. Thank you that each of us is equally necessary and equally valued in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.